This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Uh, This morning I've titled my message, um, Careless in the Care of God, and um, that little phrase jumped out from the Bible, okay, jumped out because it was in the Message Bible, and I want us to explore that today and what that is. Um, I reckon we've all said this phrase at some point in our life, okay, the phrase, don't you care, don't you care, whether it be to a friend and we're having a discussion, whether it be to our partner, whether it be to a parent, a sibling, I don't know. I, can, I think back in my life of the amount of times I've said to my sister or something, don't you care? Don't you care about this? Don't you care about that? And maybe we've said it truly believing that that person doesn't care about the situation. Or maybe, maybe we've said it knowing actually they do care, really they do care, But perhaps there's been a little bit of a misunderstanding. Perhaps there's been a bit of a breakdown along the way. And so we sort of use it quite flippantly and we say, well, don't you care about this? Don't you care about me? And feeling uncared for, feeling like someone isn't listening to you or doesn't care for you, actually is a horrible experience. Not something that we would want to go through. Not something that we'd wish anybody to go through. And I think there's a person in the Bible that knew what it felt like to feel like she wasn't being cared about. We know the story of Martha and Mary, where you've got two sisters, and Martha is in the kitchen, and she's busy preparing, and she's busy doing the housework, and she's busy making everything look fantastic for Jesus and the disciples. And her sister Mary is sat at Jesus' feet, not doing any of the housework, but just listening to Jesus. I always feel sorry for Martha, So let's have a little look at this passage in Luke chapter 10. Okay. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. (laughs) What am I doing today? I'm carrying some technical aura around me. Is that... (laughs) And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion which will not be taken away from her. Don't you care, Lord? Don't you care 
that I'm the only one doing all the work. That I'm the one in the kitchen here. I'm the one worried. I'm the one that's stressed out. I'm the one that's doing everything to make you more comfortable and to make your disciples feel more comfortable. I'm doing it all. Aren't you bothered? Don't you care, Lord? Ever had a Martha moment? Quite literally, I'm sure we've had those moments. I can remember... Um, I'm sure my mother's had many of those moments when she's looked out to us as children thinking, what? Why am I the only one doing anything? But I wonder too whether we've ever had a moment like that when we've said that same question to God or we've uttered those words in our heart towards God. Lord, don't you care? And this was from Jesus' closest. This was from people who really loved Jesus, his followers, and we hear those words, Lord, don't you care? Jesus peacefully sleeping in the boat when a great storm comes and his disciples are in the boat with him and they're scared and they're worried and they're terrified. Where is Jesus? He's in the boat sleeping. Mark chapter 4, if you have your Bibles and you want to have a, or follow it on the screen, Jesus is in the boat. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care? Do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? I can pitch the scene. The disciples in the boat. Come on, Jesus. Don't you care? We're going under here. We're sinking. The boat is filling up. The storm is coming. We're going to perish here out on the waters. What are you doing asleep in the stern? Don't you care? And these disciples had seen Jesus in action. They had seen Jesus in all his power and all his greatness And I guess what they expected was that he would be up and and about and doing something. That he would relieve their anxiety and step in. And it seemed that the Lord was ignoring them. It seemed like he wasn't bothered, that he didn't care. And probably what happened was exasperation crept in from those who really loved Jesus. Who knew Jesus was capable to do whatever. But came the question then, Lord, don't you care? Look at this situation that we're in. Look at what's going on around us. Aren't you going to do anything? I wonder if times we've asked ourselves that same question. Lord, don't you care? Uttered it in our hearts, in our minds. Lord, don't you care about my situation? Don't you care about my relationship, my finances? Don't you care about the job, my health, whatever it is, the situation I'm in? It's worsening. It's not getting any better. Things aren't changing for me. I'm not in the place I want to be. God, don't you care? I know I have. Been in those times. And then the problem with it is that, of course, as soon as you utter that and you think that and you feel that and you cry that out, you feel a bit guilty. You feel a bit guilty that you're questioning God and that you're doubting him. But I take great encouragement, great encouragement from these two accounts because 
Martha and the disciples, they didn't love Jesus any less. Actually, they were so close to Jesus. They weren't being disloyal. They weren't being unfaithful towards Jesus. It was just in their humanness, in their fear, in their anxiety. Their concern was just exposed. They'd come to that exasperation point where it was like, come on, Jesus. And perhaps we get to that place as well. But the great thing is, is that God can cope with that. He's okay with that. The beautiful thing is that Jesus knew they had that frailty. He knew they were human. He knew they'd have fears and anxieties. He knew all that. And he doesn't chastise them. He doesn't give them a telling off. He doesn't give them a full-blown lecture about, you know, doubting him or doubting his ability or not trusting in him or the power of God. No, he just he speaks to them. And we can't, from Scripture, ascertain exactly what the tone of voice was that Jesus had. Okay, so I'm making a little assumption here. But I'm guessing that the tone of voice that Jesus had was one that was gentle, was one that was full of love, that was one that was full of care and concern towards his followers. Martha, Martha, you're anxious. You're troubled about many things. I don't think it was stern. I don't think it was a telling off. When he goes and looks at his disciples, why are you so afraid? Come on, guys. Why are you so afraid? If we're asking that question today to God, do you not care about whatever it is you fill in the gap? Can we hear Jesus' words to us today? Because Jesus' words are the same. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled. Don't worry. Don't panic. Don't be afraid. Don't be consumed by the situation. Don't compare yourself. Don't fret about it or be down about it. Those same words that we have in the scriptures are there for us today. All those distractions in our life all those things that come in that we get surrounded by, all that stuff serves to distract us from the truth. And the truth is this, that God does care. God really, really does care for you and cares about you and cares about the situation and cares about what is going on in your life. Matthew 6 says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? I go on with the Message Bible. This is, there is far more to your life than food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. I like the Message Bible. I like the way it just puts it sometimes. It's a little bit different for us to understand. Careless in the care of God. What a lovely phrase. And I've been holding this phrase in my heart since I read it. What it is to live careless knowing that you are in the care of the Almighty God. Living in that knowledge that we have a God who cares for us. And we can live careless in that knowledge. We may find ourselves in the sinking boat or the stressed out kitchen. We may find ourselves looking at everything around us 
and going, ah, what is going on? But I love that song that we sing where it says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded by all this other stuff that's going on in my life, but actually we're surrounded by God. We're in God's care. Maybe the things that we're fixated on, the things we find concerning and troubling and terrifying are just not the things that Jesus is concerned about. He's concerned about us. Martha turns to the man who is capable of taking a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish and feeding the 5,000. She's saying to him, I, you know, do you not care that I might not have enough food for all of you and your disciples? She's saying this to Jesus, the one who can do all things. Maybe God's not concerned about the things always that we are concerned about. He's more concerned about us. One thing's needed, either to sit still and trust, still trust in God, even when it looks like Jesus is asleep. Did the disciples still trust even when Jesus was asleep? Or to sit at Jesus' feet and to listen and be still and to hear what Jesus is saying. To know that God deeply cares for each and every one of us. There's so many scriptures that I could pull out. Matthew 10, it says, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so do not fear you're far more valuable than the sparrows. God knows us in that much detail. He cares for us. Isaiah 49 says, I'll not forget you. John 10 says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own. God is the good shepherd. He knows us. He knows his own. Psalm 121, I'll not let your foot slip. Uh, He who keeps you will not slumber. God doesn't work on shifts, clocking in and out. No, he's there all the time looking out for us. I could go on. Let's read 2 Corinthians. I'm jumping around the Bible today, but 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Again, I put it in the Message Bible. It says this, So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. I like that phrase, the hard times are small potatoes. Small potatoes compared to what lies ahead. There's far more than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, they're gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see, they will last forever Trusting in the Lord, hearing his voice, knowing that God cares for us, even in the times when we question it. Don't be distracted by everything. Don't let it take your eyes off the truth that God really does love you so much and cares for you. And what should we do with this truth? What should we do with this knowledge that God has us in his care? Do we embrace it? Do we allow ourselves to feel that security of the care of God and live careless? In his care? Yes, absolutely, we do. But, perhaps there's even more. And perhaps as we understand fully just what God thinks of us, just as we understand how much God cares for us and loves us, then we can demonstrate that care to each other and to other people. As we receive that from God and we know the truth of that and we are secure in that, we can then go out and give that love and care towards others. The other day I was reading 
1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And something just jumped out at me. Because Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica and he is praising them. He's speaking about them really well and he's speaking about the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, in the Thessalonians' lives. And he says this, okay, You paid careful attention to the way we lived among you and determined to live that way yourselves. In imitating us, you imitated the Master. Although great trouble accompanied the word, you were able to take great joy from the Holy Spirit, taking the trouble with the joy, the joy with the trouble. Do you know that all over the provinces of both Macedonia and Achaia, believers look up to you? The word's gotten around. Your lives are echoing the Master's words, not only in the provinces, but all over the place. The news of your faith in God is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore. You're the message. That is fantastic. I love that. We don't even have to say anything anymore. This is what Paul is saying to the people. We don't have to say anything anymore. You are the message. Your very life is the message. The gospel message. How amazing. Their lives have become the message. No longer were words required. Their lives echoed the master's words. How I long to be in a place where my very life, everything that I am, is just the message, that I embody that, that my life is echoing the Master's words. I don't have to say anything because people just see a difference in me because of who I am and my actions. It says it for me. Could we get to a position like St. Paul where he says to the Thessalonians, in imitating us, you imitated the Master. Such was Paul, Silas and Timothy in their witness. I can't imagine. Can you imagine going to somebody and saying, Actually, it sounds a little bit big-headed, doesn't it? But if you said to someone, in imitating me, what you did was you imitated the master. How amazing would that be? If such was your life, was the message of care and love and greatness, that you could say, look, just imitate me, follow me, do what I do, and in doing that, you'll do what the master says. That would be, that's great, isn't it? That's what we're aiming for. Because we've experienced that great love, that great care of God, it can propel us to go and do likewise and be the care and love on this earth to show to others. There's an interesting passage in Psalm 72. Um, I'm not going to read it, but it says, we see the nations that have been at war with one another. And um, there's been a complete turnaround. And instead, what they do is they offer themselves in service. Not due to a win, not due to any victory, but because they're drawn by justice because they're drawn by the perfection of a king. Not an earthly king, but the kingdom of God. They're drawn like a magnet to the kingdom of God. And it changes them. It changes what they do. I'll put it up there so you can see it, but it's there. Because God's kingdom, God's rule, God's governance is so different, so radically different. It's a kingdom of justice. It's a kingdom of care. It's a kingdom of help and of giving and of generosity. It's not a kingdom of violence or oppression. So when the kingdom of God enters, everything changes. When people are drawn to God's kingdom because it's different. And the kingdom of God attracts people to come together. And what was happening in this passage is it's saying this, that they're drawn to kill a king, God, because his kingdom was one of justice. We're not to be just proclaimers only of the word, but people who embody it. The church worldwide 
should be the place we see the most love and the most care, the most generosity towards others. Embracing all people, whatever, whoever, coming together. There should be no place like it on earth. So often, unfortunately, we see in the media about Christianity, about the church, it doesn't always portray that great message. But that is the gospel message that we're called to embody. Let's not just be joyous Christians, overwhelmed by God's love and care for us, which is brilliant and is amazing and is wonderful, but let it transform us from the inside out so that it goes out to other people so that we show care in a radically different way, that we show the care of God. And we can't do that by digging deeper. We can't do that by just mustering up the energy to go and do it. It comes from a knowledge of knowing that we are secure in the arms of the Father. It comes from a knowledge of knowing that we are secure in God's care and God's love. And when we fully grasp that and we fully know that, it will help us to love and care for others. The Bible says that, doesn't it? You can't say you love God if you don't love other people. I'm going to come to a close in a moment, but as you all know, I've been on holiday for these last couple of weeks. And um, whilst I was away, I had to share a bed with my eight-year-old niece. And um, whilst that was great, it had its downside. Waking up at 3 a.m. in the morning with another face on your pillow and a hand in your hair and just taking up the whole bed. But um, what was lovely was this, that every night when we decided to go to bed, every night my sister, my my niece's mum, would come in and she'd sit on the bed and and she'd, you know, tuck Freya in and say night. And she'd always, she said this, every night she said this to Freya. She said, Freya, what are you? And Freya would reply and say, loved, precious and special. Isn't that lovely? Every night my sister would come in and say, what are you? Loved, precious, special. And without a shadow of a doubt, she knew that her parents loved her. She knew she was precious. She knew that she was special to them. And it made me think, I, I wonder, when God says that to you, that same question, when God says, what are you? What's your reply? When God says, what are you? How do you respond? Because if it's anything contrary to that, then get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Because our response should be as secure as my eight-year-old niece's response. Loved. Precious. Special. And utterly, wonderfully cared for. That's what we are, by God. On Wednesday evening when we were here for our prayer meeting, we were watching a couple of things by Peter Gregg, 24-7 prayer guy. And I loved it when he said, you know what, sometimes when we're praying for things, situations, difficulties, problems, whatever it is, when we're praying for those things, what, what we want and what we wish really is that God would just take us out. He'd just take us out of the problem. He'd just take us out of the difficulty. He'd just take us out of whatever it is and move us to a different place and then things would be okay. And actually, more often than not, what Peter Gregg said was that rather than being transported out, Jesus parachutes in and is with us in those times of suffering, with difficulty, problem, whatever it is. 
I love that picture. God does care, even in those moments when we cry out, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care about this? Don't you care about that? Whatever it is, God says, yes, I do care. I care for you. And I'm with you in whatever you're going through, whatever is happening. And as we live in that identity, knowing how loved and how cared for and how precious we are to God, all of us, if we live in that identity, may we then be that same message to those around us. May we live with that truth, knowing that, and then giving it out to others so that we can show other people that they are loved, that they are precious, that they are special, and they are cared for, yes, by us, but ultimately by our Most High King. Amen. download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.